the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. People claim to be saved everywhere, but their lives just don't show it. And when you challenge them on this, oh, they get angry. So what does a true Christian look like? What is the essence of Christianity? Join us. Find out. You see somebody you love and you know that their Christianity is something that is shallow at best, more often than not, just really non-existent. It's contrived in their own minds. But you try and correct them because you love them and they look at you with anger and contempt. So how do you navigate the essence of Christianity? This is what we're looking at today as we take a look at what it means to really be a Christian and how to know the difference between true Christianity and fake Christianity. With more from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, here's Pastor Gary Wagner on this edition of Abounding Grace. America is full of counterfeit Christians, placing all of their hope for their future on a counterfeit Christianity that takes its believers farther away from God rather than into his favor. And because it seems that counterfeit Christianity is more prevalent and more popular today than true Christianity, you better be able to tell the difference because your eternal destiny is at stake. And because God doesn't want us to make a mistake on this fundamental issue, he had the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago describe for us in this last paragraph of the epistles to the Galatians, the very essence of true Christianity. We began looking at this passage last week, and we saw Paul setting forth five essential aspects of true Christianity, distinguishing it from all counterfeit versions. We saw that true Christianity, at its most fundamental level, is not a religion of external ceremonies and outward conduct, But it is, first of all, a religion of the heart. Second, true Christianity is a matter of what God has done for us, not what we have done for God. Third, at the heart of true Christianity is the church. Fourth, true believers in Christianity are slaves of Jesus Christ. And fifth, True Christianity from beginning to end is a religion of God's sovereign grace. So let's just take a few minutes first and review the two essentials that we looked at last week. Verse 15 says, Neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. In other words... True Christianity is not a religion merely of external ceremonies and conduct, however correct they may be. It is above all else a religion of the heart. 
Now, when Paul said circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but what matters, what is everything, is the new creation, he wasn't saying that external ceremonies and behavior do not matter. He wasn't saying it doesn't matter whether you take the sacraments or whether you worship God in public worship. It doesn't matter how you behave in your relationships with other people. The only thing that is important is what goes on in your heart. Well, we saw last week that contradicts what the Bible teaches throughout. What a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If your heart is right, it will display itself in the way you live, in the relationships you have, the way you express yourself, and the way you behave. He's not saying here that external behavior is unimportant. Nor is he saying that the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, as circumcision and Passover in the Old Testament, are nice, but basically they are irrelevant to the Christian life. It doesn't matter whether you have been baptized or not. It doesn't matter whether you take the Lord's Supper or not. He is not saying that because that would contradict what he has said throughout his epistles that Jesus has commanded us to be baptized and to take the Lord's Supper regularly because they are both signs and seals that God uses to reassure us of his love for us and to keep the blessings of salvation coming into our lives. So what Paul meant when he said, Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but everything that matters is the new creation, is that our behavior, our relationships, and the sacraments are important, and they are to be governed by the Word of God. But the heart of the matter is the heart. Outward correctness is valueless if inward reality is lacking. Nothing in your conduct, nothing about our right performance of ceremonies is of any value at all divorced from faith in Christ alone for salvation. What really matters, he said, is a new creation. No religious rites or religious duty means anything without a new heart. He said elsewhere, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all has become new. He says in the fourth chapter of Galatians that we are born according to the Spirit of God and having been born all over and recreated all over again and spiritually raised out of moral deadness and darkness into the life of Christ, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we are being led by the Holy Spirit. He wrote his law upon our hearts. And now as we depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit and live in the Holy Spirit and walk by the rule of the Holy Spirit, which is the word of God, we will be able to manifest the Christ-like fruit of the Spirit in our own lives. And without that new creation, nothing is worth anything. So the essence of Christianity is not merely correct performance of ritual and duty divorced from spiritual renewal. Spiritual renewal is the essence of Christianity. The second essential we saw in verses 14 and 15. 
Let me read them again because there are two phrases there I'd like you to notice. But may it never be that I should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. In other words, true Christianity is a matter of what God does for us in Christ, not what we have done for God. Twice in our text, the cross is mentioned in verses 12 and 14. You see the cross of Christ, and then in verse 15, we see the new creation. Now, you and I don't assist God in either one of those things. Before the beginning of time, when there was nothing but God, you weren't around, your parents weren't around, the first man and woman weren't around, and God planned out our salvation. He determined that he would be gracious to hell-deserving sinners. He planned out how he would do it. He planned out who he would save, and you weren't there for him to ask your advice or opinion. 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ died for all of those people that God sent him to earth to save and secured and accomplished their eternal redemption the moment he died on the cross in his suffering and his death. And you weren't there to help him. Then the Holy Spirit takes those great blessings of salvation that Christ accomplished for us on the cross And he applies them to our lives and causes us to experience their effects. And you didn't help him bring those things into your life. Because when he applied those great blessings to your life, he found you dead morally and spiritually in your trespasses and sins. He did it all to you. You had nothing to do with it. As I said last week, you had as much to do with your spiritual birth as you did with your physical birth, zero. It is entirely the work of God. That's why it's called the new birth. That's why it's called spiritual resurrection. That's why it's called a new creation to emphasize the fact that in the saving of sinners, man does nothing. Man doesn't help. He doesn't assist. God does it all from beginning to end. Christianity is a matter of what God does for us in Christ, not what we do for God or we help God do for ourselves. Now let's continue to look at the phrase that we began looking at last week. The cross in verse 14 of our Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure you understand the significance of that phrase. And there are three ideas that you must always bring to mind whenever you think of the cross of Christ. So it's not just an emotional word to you and with all of the emotional connotations that go with it. Because as a child, you sang songs about the blood of Jesus. Understand, first of all, that it was a substitutionary sacrifice. That the one who died on the cross didn't deserve to die. He hadn't done anything to be punished by God whatsoever, but he voluntarily gave up his life in order to be a substitute and to bear the consequences of sin that those for whom he died, you and I, should have borne. 
It is a substitution. Secondly, it is a satisfaction. That is because man had broken God's law. God demanded, God's law demanded satisfaction for the wages of sin is death. The soul that sins, it shall die. But what do you get from God? What do you deserve when you break God's law? You deserve punishment, hell, eternal condemnation. And that is what the law of God screams for against all sinners. It demands satisfaction. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself satisfied the demands of the law of God against us. He satisfied God's justice by taking the hell and the condemnation our sins deserve in our place. Bearing it away. He satisfied God's law against us. It was also a propitiation. To propitiate is to pacify. It is to turn away anger. And the Bible teaches us that God is angry with the wicked every day. He pours out his anger upon all unrighteousness and unholiness of human beings. That God is an angry God with sinner because he is a holy God. He doesn't tolerate anything that is contrary to his holiness. And so he goes out to destroy that which opposes him. And the great movement of God is his anger. And because we have sinned against God, his angry came, anger came against us just like a tidal wave. And the Lord Jesus Christ came between us and that tidal wave of God's wrath. And he bore it himself. He turned it away, propitiated and satisfied God in our place. So that God no longer is angry with us as a vindictive judge. But now he is a loving father who sometimes has to discipline us. And because of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, the cross was a substitutionary sacrifice by which God's justice was satisfied and by which God's anger was propitiated or turned away. So that by that cross... All for whom Christ died are reconciled to God. We're no longer his enemies. He's no longer angry with us. He was angry with Jesus in our place. And now because of the cross was what it was, you and I are redeemed. That is, we are bought out of the slave market of our sin and of our depravity. And we have been reconciled with God and made friends with him and are children of his throughout all eternity. So whenever you think of the cross of Christ, don't think of it simply as an example of how far we should go in loving God, and that it should move us to be self-effacing and self-sacrificing. It's more than an example. If it were just an example on how far we should go in loving God, which it is, we would be lost. If it were anything else, than a substitutionary satisfaction and propitiation in our place, we would have absolutely no hope whatsoever of the favor of God and of eternal life. But because the cross is what it is and was, because it accomplished what it accomplished, Paul says, far be it from me to glorify in anything else but that cross. 
Notice also in verse 14 the name of the person that died on that cross. But may it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is one of those places where Christ's entire title is used. Sometimes he's called Christ. Sometimes he's called Christ Jesus. Sometimes the Lord. But here we have all three of his names. That the one who hanged on that cross was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. That word identifies him with the creator of the world. The God of the Old Testament who made the world out of absolutely nothing, making him, Christ, fully and completely God. The name Jesus means Savior. Matthew one twenty one. God said to the parents of our Lord, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He is Christ Because he is the one who was commissioned by God and sent by God into this world to do everything that needed to be done to save this creation from the plague of sin. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And understanding what the cross accomplished is impossible unless you understand who it was who hanged on that cross. Because the one who hanged there was a divine human person. He suffered in his humanity. The nails were pounded into his human hands, his human feet. All the torments of hell were poured out upon his human soul. But this man was also God. And God always accomplishes everything that he sets out to do. He always carries out all of his intentions. He always carries out all of his purposes. And you can't frustrate anything he plans. No matter how you try, you cannot keep God from doing what he says he is going to do. So when the Lord Jesus Christ hangs on this cross and says, it is finished, I have accomplished eternal salvation for everyone for whom I have died, that means that everyone from whom Christ died is saved throughout all eternity and no one will ever go through hell for whom Christ died. There are people in hell. There will be people in hell. But no one that Christ died for will be in hell because he is God as well as man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord always carries out his purposes. He never fails. The Lord Jesus Christ came to save Not the goats, not the wolves, but his sheep. He said in John 10, after warning them about wolves, I am the good shepherd who laid down my life for the sheep. And having laid down my life for them, they are saved. For he is God and God does what he pleases and he never fails. Now, what are the effects of the cross of Christ on the believer? How does it affect you in your own personal history and your own experience as you live it out day by day? When the Holy Spirit of God applies the benefits and the blessings that Christ purchased for us on the cross, when Jesus applies these blessings to our individual lives, we die to the world 
and the world dies to us. Or to use Paul's words in verse 14, through the cross of Christ, the world has been crucified to me and I have been crucified to the world. That is how the cross of Christ affects you. Now, in order to understand Paul's statement, there's something you have to understand that the Bible teaches us first. And that is salvation not only had to be accomplished and purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, it has to be applied into our personal individual lives by the Holy Spirit for us to experience its effects. In other words, as great and glorious as the cross of Christ was, that was 2,000 years ago. Now, how are you going to benefit personally and be affected in your daily life by something that took place so long ago? You, you can't reach back in time and pull it into your life. It requires the work of God himself. So the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit of God was sent to take all of those blessings that, that Jesus died on the cross to give us, and then he brings them directly into our lives and applies them to our own personal experience. And when that happens, when the Holy Spirit applies that to us, we are regenerated. We are newly recreated. We are reborn. We are reconciled to God. We are sanctified and we conform more and more into the image of Christ by His Holy Spirit who does all of the applying. Let's look at a couple of passages of Scripture that help us understand this. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. Now what we are doing is setting a backdrop so we can understand what Paul meant when he said, by the cross of Christ, the world has been crucified to me, and I have been crucified to the world. Said, in order to understand that, you've got to understand the Holy Spirit has to apply into your own personal experience what the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross to win for you if you are going to feel its effects. 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25. And he himself, that is Christ, bore our sins in his body on the Christ, on the cross, in order that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Do you see what he says about Christians living long after the death of Christ? He says Christ died on the cross and bore your sins in order that you might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, by his suffering and death on the cross, you're healed in your own personal experience. You once strayed like lost sheep, but... Because of the cross of Christ, you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. What Christ did on the cross has made a difference in your life because of the Holy Spirit taking those blessings and bringing them into your life. He died on the cross to save you. Not only from the consequences of sin, but from the power of sin. He died on the cross to purchase the Holy Spirit for you. So that the Holy Spirit would come into your life and enable you to die more and more into sin and to be more and more convicted of your sin and to sin less and less 
and to live to righteousness more and more and be more and more conformed into what God commands you to be. It is the Holy Spirit that makes these things happen to us. But they all started back on the cross of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 4 and 15, we read, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all. Therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. In other words, Jesus died on the cross, and because of our union with him, as our representative and as our substitute, we died in him, and all of the effects of that death are going to be experienced in us because the Holy Spirit enables us not to live for ourselves any longer, but to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us and rose again on our behalf. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.